0: You're listening to Experience This, a show about the emerging experience economy with your host, Tom Young.
1: Hi, this is Tom Young. Welcome to Experience This. I'm sitting here with Karen Bajwa. Hello, Karen.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: All right. Hey, so we're introducing this concept called the experience economy. Yeah. Uh, and it's really about your, you and I have had conversations over the last couple of years about you know, what happens in a post-digital world? What are people really going to do once they saturate themselves? So why don't, you, why don't you tell everybody what you think the experience economy is?
0: Yeah, sure. So I think um, what's happening uh, today, and it's probably as soon as the iPhone came out, it probably started. But it's, we see it a lot more is that um, two people could be sitting across the table from each other, and both of them are on their phones And it's taking away from this human interaction that um, I'm not going to get super spiritual here, but that the soul kind of craves. Yeah. And so now you've got um, people that are living this life on social media, et cetera, and things like Instagram have definitely enhanced it. And that's probably one of the places that we see it the most. But you're kind of living this um, escapism life into this like virtual world, which is awesome in its own regard. Um, but I think ultimately you have some people that are unhappy and they're craving craving experiences that um, require human interaction and kind of take them back to things that they used to enjoy doing before um, technology really took over.
1: So when we, we talked about the notion that A lot of these tools, whether it be a cell phone, a a tablet or a laptop, uh, even interactive TV, um, let's use the term broadly, the light square. Mm -hmm. The light square sort of uh, captures our attention and has disrupted uh, everything from work life to social life. And we hear people complain often that, for example, their kids are not present for dinner because they're... You know, on their phones, they're yeah. not paying attention to family dinner. I hear that constantly from people with teenagers. And so we think of this notion of these light squares disrupting social intercourse and yeah. the the way we have historically operated as humans. And now we're thinking, well, how can we – because one way is to say, hey, let's go full Luddite and get rid of everything. Well, that's, that's just not practical. It's not going to happen. So the question we have around the experience economy is how do we turn – these digital tools into enhancing uh, human interaction versus replacing it.
0: it, Totally, and so before we get there, I wanna just um, call out this one example that I just remembered as we were talking, because I think it is pretty hilarious. So we were at an event in New York City. um, We ran into um, somebody that works for um, a company that my sister works at. So he was telling us the story Um, around how his 14 year old son was in the car with him. And uh, basically he said, hey, why don't you tell me how to get to the grocery store? And his son was like, I actually don't know how to get there. And he's he's like laughing because he goes, the grocery stores five miles from our house and we go there all the time. But the point of it was that he's always on his phone or he has always, um, if he had to do it, he would probably rely on like Google Maps or Waze to get him there. So he basically had the need of knowing how to get from point A to point B is no longer there. So it's just one example of how the technology is also just taking away from things that, you know, you used to just have to learn how to do. Like if you pulled out a map, and said, now use this analog map to navigate, people wouldn't be able to do it.
1: Yeah, but that's an interesting uh, story because it's not surprising to me that uh, I have a teenage daughter. I don't think she could find her way to yeah. many places without you know, using Google Maps or something like that. But at some level, uh, that's a way to engage uh, the teenager versus complaining about it. They're not going to put the phone down. Yeah, yeah. Is to say... Tell me which way to turn and force them to look up and look down and participate and use the digital tools to help increase your experience as you make it a game about how you're going to get to the store. Yeah. So I, I give an example. One of the things I do with my daughter in the car, I, I bought a new car and it has um, the gas mileage that you get on the trip that you're on. Mm. So since the last time you started a car, it gives you your gas mileage, you know, uh, for how you're driving. So if you're, you're flooring it or going up hills, you get low mileage, etc. <laughs> but it also has a bar graph next to it on the previous drive. So, uh, so rather than her being on her phone, we talk about how we can beat the get a better gas mileage on this trip that we did on the last trip. And uh, so now, when we get on the car, she wants to do that versus being on her phone. She goes, "Okay, Dad, see if you can beat the last score." So I yeah. put it in neutral and go down hills, and you know, yeah. and stuff like that just to try to beat it. And it's, it's fun, but this is a the notion is there's no simple silver bullet here. Yeah. But it's really thinking about, you're not going to get rid of these digital um, impacts to our lives. It's just how do we start to use them to increase uh, our digital interactions with yeah. people?
0: Um, so I think uh, one example <laughs> um, that you've brought up Before was so we took a road trip as a team last year and we eclipse trip yeah and we headed down to uh, somewhere in the middle of Tennessee which was really fun
1: yeah I think it was Spring Hill Tennessee where we were
0: (laughs) and when we were in Virginia so I remember you talking about. uh, we passed through, we were, were basically on this block of highway in Virginia.
1: That was at Route 81, in the Shenandoah Valley.
0: Correct. And right. so you started riffing off some facts or things that had happened in the Shenandoah right. Valley. Yeah. And then um, brought up this notion of, wouldn't it be really cool if while you were taking a road trip, you could use technology to engage with um, the, the route and, um, yeah. you know, cool things that had happened along the route um, on your trip. So So, that is a fun way.
1: So I I used to make the trip when my older kids were younger. We would drive to Florida once a year, usually go to Wally World. And uh, back in the day, you had cassette tape players in the car. Mm -hmm. And there were these um, cassettes called Ride With Me for I-95 South. And you would pop the cassette in, and there would be this historical narrator who would narrate the trip as you're going down the road and he would tie the narration to the mile markers. So he would say, turn the tape on it, mile marker 120." And then, so you're driving and he, he, you know, he knows about the pace you're going and he would talk about what you're seeing outside your window and he'd say, over there, this happened over here, this happened. And he goes, all right, we're coming up on mile marker 90, turn this off and we'll get back when you get the mile marker 70. Yeah. And it, it, it was, it was old. Te- it was old technology in the sense of today. But at the time, it was pretty cool. Hmm. Now, today, with smartphones and digital cloud-based storage of what you could now use geosynchronous stuff and dynamically render this as you're moving forward. Oh, yeah. The issue is a lack of content. Right. You know, and uh, but that was a pretty cool series. It's called Ride With Me. And they had it for, I don't want to say a dozen interstate trips, you know, major trips. Wow. And I listened to several of them. It was fantastic. But you can only do it really once. Oh, Yeah. Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. But uh, but
1: another narration that would give you some kind of using again, this is a situation. How do we take the technology and make the analog experience better versus destroying it?
0: Yeah, definitely. And it kind of using technologies that I mean, I personally am a big proponent as to how do you get to that? How do you get that human interact, that interaction back, that piece that people are deeply yearning for? in all of this. Um, So how do you infuse that into bringing these experiences, um, you know, making them much more enhanced? Um, And the bar example, which we use all the time, why do people pay money to sit in a bar and buy a drink uh, when you can purchase a six pack for half the price as a bottle of beer in a bar? Um, Because of, again, you know, being able to be in the company of others and
1: feel yeah. yeah, like there's a place. It gets to the, the notion that w- what makes us happy is at some level we need to be social. has to be some social interaction. Yeah. If you went to an amusement park, you, people will go and they'll say they're going to complain about their rides. Right. Um. But if you went to the amusement park and you were the only one there, you wouldn't have any fun. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the amusement parks are using technology to make the experience better. Yeah. Right. So it allows you to track your uh, other party members, you can uh, reserve spots in line, Uh, you can make reservations, you can do a lot of things to help enhance that. So so Disney's done a lot to uh, use the technology to enhance the park experience. But those are some interesting ways of thinking through how can we leverage this technology to make our experiences better. Now, we've talked before, we included, uh, uh, I think, Rohan and Wendy in the conversation around imagine you could use a technology to score your social uh, interactions so you maximize the benefit of your time. Yeah. So like, it, you're, so if you and I go hang out, we have a lot of fun. But if we introduce this fictional character, Bob, into the mix, we don't have a good time. But it's not that Babs, Bob's a bad guy because if you went out with Bob or I went out with Bob, we would have a great time. It's just when the three of us sit together, doesn't, it's, it doesn't click. It's off. So, you'd use the technology to help help you score some of those things and then avoid those kind of situations.
0: Yeah. Do more of what you enjoy and less of the things that suck. For everybody. Yeah.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, that, that's an interesting time because you probably over, we just got done with the holidays, probably spent a lot of time with people uh, out of routine and yeah. requirements. And maybe not all of it was good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I. I and I think for people to actually be able to, visually look at that would, it, it, it's brand new because I don't think that we have anything today where, again, right, so you use the data points and the technology to now kind of lay out um, ways that we can change our own behavior and stuff that we're doing.
1: Well, we talked, you, you mentioned before about the tavern, right, it, which is a, a, an easy example to understand. People will pay for an experience. Uh, if it involves the right social scene for them, so you again, you pay five or six dollars for a beer at a tavern. You could pay less than a dollar for a beer at home. Yeah, but people do it, and the, no, people don't even question that. You can go to a restaurant, and the food costs, you know, a fifth or a tenth of what you're paying for it. But you're paying for, you can argue, you're paying for the convenience of not having to cook or clean. But it's more than that. And so, but where can we take? digital technologies and do even more around th- new things and analog experience. That's what we want to talk about Yeah, with these conversations around the experience economy. And for 2019, we really want to explore this concept of how do we use technology to enhance our experiences?
0: Yeah. And I, I'm sure we'll definitely dive deeper into some of these. And I'm just thinking uh, some of the examples that are starting to pop into my mind of how we're kind of seeing this. So I know in New York City, there's an event called Daybreakers. And you go, it starts around either 6 or 7 a.m. You head there before work. There's no alcohol involved. You um, can grab a cup of coffee or a green juice. And everyone wears a set of headphones. And um, it's silent. However, there's music coming in through the headphones. And you have almost a rave at 6 o'clock in the morning before you go to work. And so the technology is enabling this party to go on. But if you were to take the headphones off, it would be quiet and everyone is dancing and having a fun, a really fun time at six o'clock in the morning. Wow. Yeah. That's it's really wild. cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You mentioned you just went recently last week to uh, Starbucks roastery yes. in New York. Yeah. That's an experience. Oh,
0: it's a, it, it's a phenomenal experience. <laughs> um, it just from the point, the minute you walk in to the time that you leave, um, everything from the aesthetics of the place, the layout, uh, just the, one of the coolest things is, uh, as soon as you walk through the front doors on the left-hand side, they've got this, um, black and white ticker board, which is almost like something you'd see in Penn Station circa 1950, where the, uh, the letters kind of rotate. Yep. And so they tell you, um, for example, it changed three times while we were there. And in the beginning, it was, hey, welcome to um, Starbucks Roastery and download the app for the journey. The second uh, change was we're now brewing Starbucks Christmas Reserve. And then the third change was uh, some other information. But they give you information about real time stuff that's like happening. like it's the trains. Yeah, burning. exactly. Like, uh, and then yeah. you went
1: to uh, Restoration Hardware? Another experience uh, retail place?
0: Yeah, so a couple doors down. uh, Walked right into Restoration Hardware. Um, Five floors of beautiful, opulent, luxurious furniture. But the point is that you can go to the bar, uh, a coffee shop and a bar that they have on the third floor. You can grab a cup of coffee, uh, which will set you back probably about six bucks or or a glass of wine, which is 20. But you take that and then you can hang out on the furniture. So if you're there with your friends, you can sit at the dining room table or on one of the couches and enjoy your cup of coffee, chat. Uh, and, and then if you love what you see, the point is you go home and log into their meet, to their digital platforms to buy the stuff that you like.
1: So they're not even facilitating you buying it there.
0: No, they're not. Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: So let's, let's, so I'm going to Palm beach, uh, this week when I get back, we'll go, let's make that a trip of that. Oh, definitely. And,
0: uh, yes. uh, We'll
1: get, we'll get Jordan to come and he can video some (laughs) of the stuff. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so cool.
1: Those two places, they're right next to each other,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, start to take the concepts of the experience economy and are going to help redefine retail.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And so when we look at the the shopping mall, which across America is really struggling. I mean, Sears is, you know, yeah. about to go under, right? Again, January 4th, I think there's their final decision on whether they're going to take that bid yeah but sixty-eight thousand people work at sears and it's probably going to go under and it's largely because that model doesn't work anymore because of online places like amazon are just completely undercutting the whole business model of sears Mm -hmm. and but that doesn't mean that there isn't an opportunity to go sell things through an experience if you reimagine the way it should be done
0: Yeah. And think about, um, mixed use of space. So, um,
1: nothing at the Starbucks roastery or restoration hardware was inexpensive.
0: Absolutely not. I mean, a
1: nightstand is like $4,000.
0: Yeah. And just so you know, at Starbucks, the handles on the entrance and exit doors are all hand-stitched leather. I mean, it's beautiful. And expensive, <laughs> right. yeah. There's no expense that was spared,
1: right? Because it's trying to maximize your experience as yeah. opposed to just crank a lot of volume, mm-hmm. right?
0: Um, and yeah, so down to the details, it's it's you know there's a hefty price tag I'm sure that went along with it, right? Um, but yeah, very cool stuff.
1: So it's not for everybody. Some people, you know, they they want to go save a nickel, but there's there's a large portion of the population with a very high disposable income who's going to be looking to optimize time versus money. Yeah. And one of the phrases I use that, that, that underpins the experience economy is the notion of a realization that at some point you're going to realize you're going to run out of time before you run out of money. And when that's the case, you want to maximize your experiences, not not your wallet. Uh, I see it with, in fact, older people who get to a point where they saved all this money, but they, stopped, they really didn't live. Yeah and you know, die, they die with a big pile of money. Would they be better off have spending that, enjoying themselves, having fun with their friends and family, and doing different things around the experience? And what we want to do with these conversations is to help people uh, be, be cog- cognizant of like, optimizing their experience, how they spend their time, how they can use these tools to not be frustrated by the disruption but to use these tools in a way, in a creative way, to make things better.
0: Yeah. Everything
1: from the road trip where maybe you have some narration that's tied to it, where everybody's listening to a history lesson about a 30-mile stretch down the highway, uh, to having your child help you with an Easter egg hunt or directions to the grocery store.
0: Yeah. it's so, I mean, the opportunities are... Endless.
1: Yeah. So this is, we're going to work on this project for 2019 mm-hmm. uh, and talk about the experience economy and we'll probably get some some stuff out there to get some conversations going. But I think there's a lot of interest in this and people haven't really thought about it, but they're familiar with it. Meaning that when you talk to people about it, and you've talked to a lot of people about yeah. it, as I have, uh, as soon as you frame it for them, they're like, yeah, 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 I, I get that. And now we want to have conversations about, okay, now that we get it, what do we do about it?
0: Yeah. And it would be not, it would be cool to also explore some of the uh, underlying drivers. Um, you know so and we're I'm just thinking like um, when we were talking about the this concept of um, getting people to think this way and having more, um, you're going to run out of, uh, of, time before you run out of money. Um, but a lot of that stems from these societal thought processes of, um, no, well, you have to save for retirement because when you're going to retire, that's when life really starts. So there's these like deep rooted things in society, which we can touch on in, in future podca- podcasts, but you know, that really shape the, the thought process. So the experience economy is really kind of disrupting even some of those.
1: Yeah, so Peter Diamandis wrote a book called Abundance, and then he followed it up with a book called Bold. And in that, he really talks about the notion that these digital technologies that are changing our lives and our society are creating a world of abundance versus a world of scarcity. And with abundance, there's no... You have to change your paradigm about piling up a reserve. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so if we use something and don't think of it in terms of monetary or, or physical goods, but think about the abundance of information you have at your fingertips at any time. Think about the abundance of entertainment options you have. It's not even 500 channels anymore. It's everything anytime, anywhere mm. through streaming and other things like that. Um, for a large portion of the population You know, the basic Maslow hierarchy of needs is met. Yeah. I mean, and met with ease. Yeah. So now they have this disposable income. What are they going to go do with it? How are they going to optimize it? So, one of the things that we'll talk about in the future conversation is this notion of challenging that paradigm of piling up money Mm -hmm. your whole life to then start living. It's to change that whole paradigm, is to say, no, do it now and don't worry about that in the future. Not to be, you want to be negligent, but you don't want to be so. Focused on the future, that you're negligent to your current life, the, the being present in the moment. Correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool and that skits
1: back to the spiritual thing you said at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. 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 So
0: very cool stuff.
1: Let's go. well Thanks very much. Let's have a future conversation. And next week we'll go into New York and check out these places. Awesome. All right. Great. Thanks.
0: Hey, this is Karen Bajwa. Thanks for checking out the show today. If you like what you heard, head on over to our website, RumJog.com. If you happen to be in the New York or New Jersey area, come check out our meetup called Digital Disruption. We cover topics like you heard today with a live audience. Lastly, don't forget to follow us on social media using the handle at Rumjog. Talk to you soon.